A visitor went to a Unitarian Universalist church and sat through the service with growing incredulity at the heretical ideas that uh, were being spouted. After the sermon, one of the members asked the visitor, so how did you like it? The visitor said, I can't believe half the things the minister was saying. He sputtered in outrage. And the member said, oh, good, you'll fit right in. Whether you're visitors or members here, I know that each of you has a different story of how you've come to be here. And maybe very different reasons for why you're here or why you would stay or why you would even look for us in the first place. Though surely some of us are here by virtue of the fact of growing up Unitarian Universalist, that's a considerable minority. Um, Others are here because this was the first place that they thought they might like as a spiritual home, having not grown up in a particular uh, religious background or their family committed to some faith tradition or another. Others are here because they've they've left some tradition. Um, uh, most, most often the journeys that have brought us here have been challenging. It's not uncommon along the way for us to have found places we did not fit because we didn't agree with what we encountered. Here, that doesn't matter. <laughs> no. You can disagree with me all day long and still have a home here. Um, and I am not going to ask you to share exactly what I think or believe. It'd be nice if you did. But <laughs> Generally, the visions that have called us on have been too large to fit into the limited boxes that we might, uh, the limits of more rigid structures and, and creeds or dogmas. And I still think it's interesting that Unitarians like shows about creeds more than a lot of other people. Um, literalist interpretations of sacred texts typically do not seem to resonate with what comes from our reason or even our imaginations, the things that ring true for us, from our depth of our spirit, from the breadth of whatever thought we might be able to muster. We've found that inclusion and expansive ideas seem more real to us, I think. And we believe ourselves to be a justice-oriented people, don't we? The things that we listed when we listed 
what was important during Susan's story. It's funny how those intangible values that are part of our principles, I didn't hear those. We didn't talk about justice, equity, and compassion. We did mention love. Do what? Service came up kind of towards the end, yes. Um, but, but isn't that interesting? We identify as a group by principles of justice. We organize ourselves around banners that include dignity, justice, equity, compassion, acceptance, spiritual growth, freedom, responsibility, searching, truth, meaning, and I think all of the things that we name hold meaning for us. So, you know, that is also folded into our principles. Conscience, democracy, world community, peace, liberty, respect, and interdependence. But of all of those words of consequence that are in our principles, the, the principles of Unitarian Universalist Association, the only one that appears more than once is justice. I think that means that it has a little more weight for us than some of the other ideas, or at least maybe it's foundational and the other ones spring from that. Accordingly, the particulars of how we live out our sense of justice or our faith or how we live into our sense of justice and our faith become quite significant. You got to speak when the Spirit says speak. Time and nature have worked together and brought an opportunity to us to examine our foundation. Most of you have either seen or heard about what's happened out here in very real ways. If you've not, maybe I should just tell you. Recently, there was an erosion event. <laughs> and part of the sidewalk that's right here beside the building caved in. And a... And a crevice, an erosion path that we thought was about this deep is actually this deep. And it's this far from the building. We also found out that the foundation that we thought had 15-foot pilings doesn't. We are in very real ways being called by nature to examine our foundation. 
Now, I think symbols are all over the place, and I think there are ways to, uh, that you can look at life that those, those symbols lead you. And I'm not going to try to force that down your throats, but... Um, This is a time here and in our city and in our nation of great change and potential. Now, a lot of people around town in, um, in different groups are talking about the Mayan calendar and explaining its end in different ways. But a lot of those explanations include ideas that it's just a change. That things are aligning a different way, and I don't know anything about that either, so I'll leave that alone. Um, But recently I heard some world travelers discussing evidence that in some parts of the world, civilization, or I'm not going to say civilization, cultures, like in in prehistoric times during with cave dwellings and cave drawings remained basically unchanged for more than 10,000 years now if you compare that with how quickly things happen in our lifetimes And how the longer I live, it seems that they move faster. It's not just that years get shorter, but but change happens more quickly within those years. The potential that all of that generates for major change in short order is pretty amazing. In this age of spiritual community, to be relevant, to be vital and thriving, the question of how we live into those values has to be asked and not answered just once, but asked over and over again and answered over and over again because it's different all the time. You got to ask when the Spirit says ask. Part of our principles aren't... uh, The way that it begins is we covenant to affirm and promote these ideas that are listed. Not just talk about them, not just laud their virtue, but promote. Promote to me is action. Many of us have been devoted through our careers to service, whether as teachers or medical professionals or counselors or nonprofit administrators or or even with our volunteer work. We've gone out and we've done the things that we feel might make a difference someplace. 
still, poverty persists. Still, children in our city fall victim to anything and everything that can come from not having responsible caregivers. Or from not having an advocate. Still, there is violence. Still, there is rampant deceit and apathy. The rights of women are being rolled back. The rights of children are being called into question. Our educational systems are on shifting sand. And there's really no telling where they're going to land. The disabled, the elders, the earth. There are so many holes that need filling. So many things that need our care. I'm trying to decide which path to take here. We come here because we're out there doing work and we need to be refueled. We come here to be together to know that there are other people trying to do that work also. And it's important for us to support each other. It's important for us to be restored because we are out there doing the work. But I can't help but think of those people with the most need that get no respite. Who for generations are without a weekly vacation, even if it's just for an hour. And then I get saddened. No, before I go there. I want to ask if there are any people here that would prefer to stay closeted Unitarian Universalists. (laughs) Because when I'm out in the community talking at meetings and people bring up your names, I out you. (laughs) That brings me to, to what I'm saddened by. I'm saddened that this congregation as a whole is best known in this city for this window. Every place I go, if I name the church, they go, oh, that's the place with the, it's the first thing they think of. And that makes me sad. As much as I love this place, as much as I have invested in this place, that makes me sad. So when we are called into questioning our very foundation, I want to see the conversations begin that ask what's important to us as a congregation.
Sometimes we have to make choices. And always, choices that are the most profound or have the most far-reaching impact are hard choices. There's a man named Walter Brueggemann who's quoted a lot in justice circles. Um, And I'd like to share with you some of his thoughts about prophets. He said, they just rise up in the landscape. They imagine their contemporary world differently according to that tradition, which is a covenantal tradition, just like ours. By the work of the Spirit, they are moved the way very good poet is, moved to work to describe the world differently according to the gifts of their insight. And of course, in their own time and every time since, the people that control the power structure do not know what to make of them. So they characteristically try to silence them. This is prophets. This is poets. And Brueggemann talks about the prophetic texts and much of the Hebrew and, I guess, Christian texts as well being poetry. And if it is read without the artistic and um, aesthetic sense of something beyond just what's written there, then the transcendent power of the text is lost. What power people always discover is that you cannot finally silence poets. They just keep coming at you in threatening and transformative ways. Referring to the poetry of prophets in the Hebrew scripture, he says the the amazing contemporaneity of this material is that the issues remain the same. That the world we have trusted in is vanishing before our eyes and the world that is coming at us feels like a threat to us. And we can't quite see the shape of it. I think that it is kind of where the church and the preachers of the church have to live and people don't much want to hear either one of those words that the past is vanishing or what we have known is vanishing or that what we don't know is coming at us. which is why this kind of poetry always leaves us uneasy. It's countercultural because our consumer culture wants somehow to narcoticize us so that we just settle in on things. He says, I think Kafka may be said that a poet or a novelist is like a pickaxe that attacks the way We have things arranged. Our consumer culture is organized against history. 
There's a depreciation of memory and a ridicule of hope, which means everything must be held in the now. Either an urgent now or an eternal now. And parenthetically, I do not see our situation here in this physical home and gathering place as the urgent now, but rather as a prompting by the ever-changing motion of chi and life and that which is greater than us towards potential for an even greater calling, a future of meaning that equals our past, You got a rock when the Spirit says rock. The boat, that is. Without the transcendent piece of that, even liberal passion for justice just becomes, this is quoting Brueggemann again, just becomes another ideology. And it does not have transformative power. That's, what extraordinary, that's what's extraordinary about the poetry. That it's so elusive that it refuses to be reduced to a formula. I think that's a great temptation among liberals who care about justice to reduce it to a formula. And then, a comment from someone else, to create another ism. then the poetry breaks in and opens it up again. There's so many places in our lives for meaning. With our families, with our work. But always for something to have meaning, it has to have vision and meaning beyond itself. I'd like for us to begin the conversations of finding out how we can better move our meaning beyond ourself as a congregation. Maybe that's not what we need to do. That's your, your decision to make. My question is, has our time as a congregation of being the icebreakers, the pioneers, the frontline defenders, cutting-edge visionaries, meaningful boat rockers, champions of justice come to an end? Are we willing to let the name of all souls fade into the pool of those other traditions that are reduced to a commodity? What's most comfortable? 
As our board president, Clay Walker, by his message here last week, would have us consider, what do you ultimately wish to be known by or remembered for when you're gone? I'm just asking that we give it some thought and talk about it and figure out what legacy we want to leave for those that follow us and if it's going to be a legacy worth following. The way we see the world is the way that we come to understand the world and we have to decide what we're showing those who come after us.